Well, we're living in a culture of abuse, and it starts in America and other countries in the womb. Yesterday, I read a report that Planned Parenthood last year was responsible for aborting several hundred thousand babies. And over their lifetime, seven plus million babies have been aborted through that taxpayer-funded organization. Well, the funds have been cut dramatically in the last year, which is a good thing. It's not a, a women's health type of business. It is one of the biggest abortion industries in our country. It starts there. For the many of you that may have gone through or had an abortion, the good news for you is God forgives. You're born again. Your child is in heaven, and that we rejoice in. Amen? So thank God for that. Now, today as we get into this word, talking about several and hopefully cover all forms of abuse to some degree. Some of you, fortunately, thankfully, never experienced anything that you would label as abuse. And so you sit here and say, well, this doesn't really apply to me. Well, I want to challenge you to hear today because you're going to meet people, if you haven't already and probably have, that have gone through abuse on a level that you can't even identify, but you can have compassion for them in the midst of their story. You can advise them correctly. You can tell them, hey, look, I'll pray for you. I'll help you get out of that abusive situation. No, we don't tell people, you made your bed, now lie in it. We don't tell people, God doesn't want this marriage to break up. Yes, he's giving you black eyes, but that's all right. No, that we don't tell people that. There's some things that you need to understand to be able to help others. But most important of all, that God is the answer. And it may even take you, who've never suffered any abuse, to help someone who has suffered great depths of abuse. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 29 through 32, Paul is talking about house rules. He's talking about biblical direction for the family and the church family at large. And in particular, to the church at Ephesus, but today to the church at Faith Assembly Orlando. And the word says, do not, do not. How many of you believe that means do not, all right? Do not. Let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Wow. Some of us are going to have to seriously curb our conversations, all right? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen what we are saying is it benefiting those who are listening. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is grieved when we 
talk in such a way that it puts people down. It makes people feel bad. It does not build them up. It puts them down. The Holy Spirit is greatly grieved when we do that. And then Paul writes these words to the church at Ephesus. And he says, in your families, in the church, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slam. boy, this was a rough crowd here at Ephesus, all right, brawling, uh, I, I hope that wasn't during church, all right, slander, along with every form of malice, be kind, oh, this is what we want our families to look like, our marriages to look like, be kind and compassionate or tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as Christ God, just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow. Well, did we pray yet? No, we didn't. Let's pray. Father, touch all of those at Redbug Lake Campus, minister to their lives. And those at Michigan Street Campus, the same. God, you see each and every one of them sitting there. You know what they've been through. You know, Lord God, those that need a, a victory in their lives today. And I pray that they would experience it. God, those online, you know everything about them right now. And I ask you to touch them. And those in this building, minister to their lives. Help us, Lord, to be kind and compassionate, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as you have forgiven us. I pray your blessings on all today. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, these verses are telling us your words must build people up. So let's strive. Are our words building people up? Let's strive that our words would build them up. Number two, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we mistreat others through our words and our actions. And verse 31, Paul says, he gets serious here, and he says, now, get rid of all this stuff I'm about to mention in this verse. Get rid of it. In other words, stop. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Just stop it, Paul says. He said, this should not be in your home. It should not be in the church. It should not be in your life. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about brawling, which is a fight or a quarrel that is rough or noisy and brawling. He's talking about slander, spreading false things about one another. No, he's talking about malice. Malice is the desire to injure or harm or cause someone to suffer. It may be a spontaneous reaction to somebody's words or actions or lack of actions. Uh, it may be a fact that malice is just a result of they're a mean person. How many of you, no, I don't even ask, all right? So there's some mean people in the world, not in here, not in our campuses, but there's some mean people in the world that desire to inflict damage, suffering, just because they're mean, all right? So, and then in verse 32, this is what it should look like. Kindness, compassion, and uh, forgiving each other always. Uh, if 
You can't, if you have a hard time forgiving and you're single, don't get married, okay? Because you are gonna need to learn how to forgive if you get married. Well, matter of fact, do get married, all right? Yes, absolutely, do get married. All right, rage, he uses the word rage. Now, I like the meaning of words, uh, and I discovered that the meaning of rage is wrong. I looked it up and I read it, and I'm like, this is wrong. I've never come across a wrong definition in, in the dictionary or looking it up. Rage, it says, is uncontrollable anger. Uncontrollable anger. I'm like, well, that's not true. Really, the definition of rage is out of control anger, out of control. You can't control your anger. You say, no, I can't. Uh, and uh, I, yes, you can. I, I'm going to tell you, yes, you can. I've said it for years. No one can make you mad or angry. Now, I've said it, you said it, but it's not true. All right? Uh, I've said before, they made me so angry. And several years ago, my son said, Dad, no, they can't make you angry. He'd been listening to one too many sermons. And I'm like, "Get out, you boy, just mind your own business right now. They made me angry. And he's like, nope, you, they cannot make, they give you an opportunity. That's what they give you. They give you an opportunity to get angry. Yes, they do. But you can control your anger. If I'm out in the yard working, doing something, and it's hot as blazes, and I'm, I, I'm uh, uh, perspiring. I don't sweat. I perspire, and so uh, I'm out there, and I'm agitated. Alice comes out. She's ripping me up. You didn't do this. You didn't. And, and I just turn around and start yelling out at her, and it was uncontrollable anger. No, it wasn't, because if my neighbors walk out the door and say, hi, pastor, Hi, we were just talking about um, how you guys doing? All right, so I'm like, Alice, what do you think? All right, so, um, oh yes, I can control my anger. Now, I may take it up with her later, but anyway, that no, we don't yell at each other. Some of you don't believe that, do you? All right, so I'm telling you, we do not yell at each other, do we, Alice? No, I don't yell at her. She doesn't yell at me uh, unless she can't hear me in the other room. Then I yell, all right, so anyway, but we don't yell at each other. We don't do that kind of thing. Well, physical and verbal rage or anger, you know what it really is? It is a temper tantrum of the soul. It is a temper tantrum. You, if you allow your anger and your rage, just you are going on and on and on and on and blaming it on somebody, something. No, you're having a temper tantrum. Little two-year-olds have temper tantrums. 30 years old, 30-year-olds should have long grown out of it. No, getting quiet in here. I don't know why, but anyway, we don't want our children imitating our little temper tantrum. We don't, right, amen. And so, okay, got an amen in the back corner from the child. All right, physical and verbal rage. Physical, verbal rage. What is it? It's parents abusing children, uh, spouses abusing spouses. It's even adult children abusing elderly parents. This is a horrible, terrible thing. 
and it can involve rage, can involve name-calling. There was a minister that attended this church many, many years ago, and his wife told Alice and I that on a regular basis, he called her Shamu. What kind of husband calls his wife? Dear God, have mercy. Just thinking about it, I can't hardly believe it. Uh, or call some, maybe they called you fat or dumb or, or you know, some men say, oh, she's my old lady. <laughs> Listen, my wife will never, I don't care how old I get, my wife will never call me her old man. Why? Because she's a lady, that's why. She wouldn't do that. So if you are, repent. The altar is here. All right, so... Verbal abuse may involve yelling, shaming you, blaming you, saying hurtful jokes, condescending looks. Uh, well, you're stupid. Uh, it includes verbal neglect, verbal neglect. And please, I, I think sometimes that, I, I just want to draw this to your attention, that if you have children at home, please don't come home every day and, and from work and get on your phone and give them a tablet so your three-year-old's there on a the tablet and you're on your phone and nobody's talking. Talk to your kids. They need to hear from you. They need to hear what you got to say. So please, 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 I'm, I'm passionately asking you to do that. And here's something that, men, you need to tell your daughters how, how lovely they are, how beautiful they are, speak into their lives. They desperately need it. Too many children are being denied affection, love, and comfort in their own home. And this, unfortunately, the absence of, of a mom or dad can cause some serious pain in their lives. And parents, since I'm talking to you, the Bible does not Tell us to beat our children, all right? I know we, some of us may have used that term and what we got growing up, but it does not teach beating. It teaches the discipline of love, which may include spanking, but that's the last resort. And it's done in love and with the measure of love, all right? So I'm not going to expound on that just to bring it up. Now, our church, talking about abuse, our church offers free pastoral and clinical counseling and, and uh, living free, which are groups that will help you and, and boundaries and God in the 12 steps, uh, other classes and ministries that take place all the time around here, just like this lady's God encounter, a massive move of God in the last two days, uh, just in that encounter. We've heard so much stories from stories recently and got into staff meeting the other day and I heard things I was just astounded from our pastors and, and one of them shares with us right now. My name is Pastor Alex and this is my story. I grew up in a home where domestic violence was commonplace. My father verbally and physically abused my mom, my sister and myself. As a child, I grew up waking up to my parents fighting and the police banging on the door. After years of abuse, my mom finally divorced my dad. And on our journey, my mom and I both at different times found the Lord. And after finding the Lord, we, I started to learn about forgiveness. And I knew that I had to forgive my dad. 
but that was hard. But ultimately, I was able to forgive him for the scars that I experienced, the scars that were left in my life, made it difficult for me to have a relationship with him. Years later, my mom calls me and she tells me that my father is terminally ill in the hospital and that we have to go see him. Upon arrival at the hospital, my father starts the conversation by asking my mom and me for forgiveness on the way he had treated us. Without missing a beat, my mom tells my dad, you don't have to ask me to forgive you. I've forgiven you years ago. You have to ask God to forgive you if you want to go to heaven. As I sit there watching my mom and my dad praying the sinner's prayer, my dad coming to Christ, God made me realize and spoke to my life and says, I can forgive anyone of anything. It was at that time then I went to my dad and I said to him, I want to ask you for forgiveness. And he looked at me and he said, why, why do you want me to forgive you? He says, because I didn't let you be a dad to me when I had the opportunity to. And for the next three days that my dad had to live, I held his hand and as I sat there in the hospital each and every day of those last three days of his life, I realized that God gave my father back to me. So truly forgiveness is possible. And when I saw my dad come to Christ, I knew that there was hope, even for the battered, even for those that were abused. There is forgiveness in God and restoration. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Praise God. We also know that alcohol greatly amplifies abuse, not only in America, but around the world. And that's why this church takes such a strong stance against alcohol, because we know what can happen as a result of it. You know, if in the area of abuse, and there's so many different kinds and facets of abuse that, that the ramifications of it are so far-reaching. For instance, if a young man sees his father abusing his mother, he may grow up, and without Christ, he will most likely have a tendency to do the same thing. Or a young girl may end up seeing her father abusing her mother, and then she gets so used to it, it's so commonplace, even though it's repugnant at the same time, then she goes out and finds some guy that has similar qualities and ends up marrying him because she doesn't recognize the sign, the telltale signs, because it's normal. And all kind of things like this can happen. And so God help all of us to be aware that we want our children to grow up healthy and strong and love the Lord with all their hearts and soul and mind. Well, it also comes into play with sexual abuse. Sexual abuse brings shame or can certainly, yes, it brings shame, fear, emotional manipulation. I mentioned last week that in our home there was no verbal or physical abuse. But in my home, two of my older sisters were sexually abused. In Alice's home, one of her brothers. One of her brothers, when he was, I don't know, six years old or so in that range, an uncle moved in with them to stay for a while and ends up sexually abusing him. And he was paralyzed with fear. I don't know what this uncle told him, but he didn't tell his parents. Years later, 
when this man had a wife and kids and, and the report came that they were accusing him of abusing them. And someone in the family said, oh, that couldn't be true. And this brother pipes up and said, oh, yes, it could because it happened to me. And all of a sudden, that comes out of him what had been lying dormant for years and years and years. What a horrible thing it is to go through this and experience this. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 61, it says this, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Now I know God there was speaking to the nation of Israel, but that's the nature of God. He did not have anything to do with our abuse. He had nothing to do with it. It's because of sin and willful choices of men and women to make wrong choices outside of the will of God. But God wants to take that shame and he wants to in have instead of shame, he wants to give honor. In other words, he wants to turn it all around and give you victory and will every one of us. Now, I read or nothing read, I, I didn't read, but I listened to last week a testimony of a woman that travels and preaches to thousands of people and God has greatly, tremendously used tell her story of sexual manipulation from an early age all the way up to rape all through her teen years by her father. And when I heard this story, I, 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 it's almost incomprehensible. This could actually happen in America and, and the depth of it. And then I thought to myself, dear God, without Christ, I mean, I could see her in a corner of a, a institution somewhere, babbling. Instead, she's standing before thousands proclaiming the power and the presence of God to change a person's life. Only God could do that. Listen, if you have good parents, I mean, you need to go home today and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for being good parents. My son went off to college years ago and our family was not perfect. I wasn't perfect. He went off to college. He came back and said, Mom, Dad, thank you so much for being so good and having such a good family. I'm like, why are you saying that? Because I've been hearing stories at college. I mean, and that's really bad. And, and uh, I'm thanking, he should have thanked us a long time before that. But anyway, <laughs> finally got around to it. All right, at least better late than never. This sexual abuse thing not only happens to women, there's a lot of men that have been abused sexually. And when that happens, especially from a male relative or friend or whatever, when that happens, the enemy is there to scream that this is the way you are, that this is the way you should live your life, and to try to push that person with the shame and, and all that they're going through in that direction. And many succumb to the lies of hell itself. It's tragic. When this kind of thing happens, I've heard of people waiting 30, 40, 50 plus years and never say anything to anybody. 
It brought such devastation to their lives. Even the accusers don't want to talk about it. An Assembly of God pastor that I knew, his granddaughter, several of them accused him and he flatly denied it, absolutely defiantly denied it. I don't know if he ever made it right before he died. I don't know if he ever admitted it before he died. But even today, if for some reason, maybe in your pre-salvation days, you did things, boy, you need to deal with that in a Christ-like manner and to acknowledge and ask forgiveness and make it right if possible. My God, have mercy. God brings healing to any and all who need it. But there's a false sense of responsibility when people are abused in this way, a false sense. They get the feeling that somehow or another this was my fault. I've even, I've even seen kids that their parent, one of their parents, their dad or somebody left, and it's like they feel like I, I caused this. That false sense because the enemy wants to set them up to feel unworthy the rest of their lives. And what the enemy meant for harm, God will turn around for good each and every time without any question whatsoever. Why don't we go to a testimony of a young lady that if you walk, come to this church on a, a weekday, you may see her walking around typically with a smile and victory with all indications in her heart. But um, she shared something two years ago to someone for the first time and she shares it with us today. Hi, my name is Lisa and this is my story. Every summer my parents would send me to spend a month with my grandparents and that opened the door for a family member to uh, take advantage and uh, abuse me sexually. I was raped for the first time at the age of five. This was something that happened every summer for about 10 years. There was a lot of shame and guilt that I carried because of it. Um, I felt that um, as, as a young child that it was probably my fault. I did something to cause it. I provoked him somehow. There was just a lot of, of self-blame that came with it. Um, in high school, because of the shame and guilt that I carried, I became very suicidal. I knew exactly what I was gonna do. Um, I had it planned down to the exact day and time. And um, before, the night before, I was actually in my room praying, asking God to um, to do something, if, if he was real, he was going to bring somebody into my life that was going to um, change my life forever. And, and he did, thankfully. Um, and that is the man that I'm married to today. Even through 16 years of marriage, I never mentioned it even to my husband um, until uh, probably two years ago when God decided it was time for me to face uh, what had happened to me and um, for me to find healing. Telling my husband was actually um, probably one of the hardest things that I ever had to do just because 
I was afraid that he would look at me differently, um, that it would change our relationship. Because of the person he is and because God has done so much in his life too, uh, he was very understanding, um, very, very supportive. The amazing thing about God is the victory that comes on the other side is so much greater than the pain that you experience in facing the trauma that you have gone through and facing um, the realities of life sometimes. It was only through Him that I'm now able to stand here and say that um, I have forgiven my abuser. I have um, handed him over to the Lord and I believe one day that he will be saved and that um, he will have a change of heart. When you get to a place where you can pray that for those who have abused you, that is when you know that, that real healing has taken place. That is when you know that God is in the middle of it because only God can bring you there. I would say to anybody going through um, a similar situation or somebody who has been through the situation and hasn't talked to anybody about it yet, maybe holding on to that shame and guilt that um, it wasn't your fault and that it is okay to seek out help, that counseling, um, counseling has its place and um, it's okay to, to get help. So even though something terrible has happened in your life, God can use it. He can use it to uh, touch other people who have been through a similar situation. Praise God for victory. Amen. Praise God. What, what she didn't tell was that at home, she was verbally and physically abused and then sent off for the summer and sexually abused. But today... There's victory through Christ. Praise God forevermore. Let's, let's defeat the devil by giving God our pain and letting him turn it into gain. Amen? Give him your, your pain and let him turn it around for the glory of God and bring healing totally and completely to your life. Listen, I know that some people have said, well, why couldn't God stop it? Listen, people have a free will. And for better, for worse, they have a free will. And it's, trust me, it's for better when you look into it. But at the same time, sin can cause people to do horrible, horrible things. I talked to a young man not long ago and, and his dad had, as far as he was concerned, rejected him. And I walked off with him and I said, son, the only reason that happened is because your dad is not a believer. He's not a Christian, but you have the opportunity to serve Christ, to grow up and have a family and love your children and learn from that lesson that God can do something different in your life. So we turn everything around with our words, with our encouragement, with our prayers. Thank God. And then, as Lisa said, she forgave. She forgave. Now that's a hurdle for some people, and it's a hurdle you're not gonna get over except with God's help. But with God, you can do anything, and you can forgive those who have hurt you as deeply as you've been hurt. We need God's forgiveness, first of all. We need to know Christ and have his forgiveness, and then 
eventually and as soon as we can. I mean, as soon as we will. And it's a choice of ours. We extend forgiveness. No, we don't wait for that person to ask us. We say, God, because you've forgiven me, I am going to choose to forgive them. A lady walked up and said to me, but how do I deal with the painful emotion of the memories? And I said, well, you've already forgiven that person, and so tag on to your memory something. Tag on to your memory that you have already forgiven him so that if that memory comes back to your mind, and some people say, if you've truly forgiven somebody, you'll, you won't never remember it again. I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody that because you certainly may. But the truth of the matter is, when you remember it, get a smile on your face and say, devil, be gone in Jesus' name. I've already forgiven them. I'm forgiven. It's under the blood. And I am healed and I am whole. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, please, no one... No one's slipping out there at the campuses. Just remain seated, if you will. Let the Holy Spirit settle on this place as he already has, but, but right now to speak to people's hearts. Yes. God is so amazing. All over this city, all over this country today. The Holy Spirit of God will be moving on people's lives to bring them out of bondage into light, into victory. Holy Spirit of God, move across all three of the campuses there in the atrium, there online. Move and touch every heart. God, Bring us to a place of total surrender, total commitment. God, I ask you, anyone listening that needs you as Lord of their life, they need your forgiveness. God, I pray that they would openly admit and respond in Jesus' name. And while every head is bowed, all three campuses, you're watching online. Maybe this is you. You need forgiveness. You need God. You need a relationship with God. You believe in him in your mind, but you don't have a relationship with him. That's what you need. You need Christ in you. Not just a belief in your mind. And out of your life will go so many things. Even if you were the abuser, Christ will lift those things from your life. Christ will forgive and remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. And so across all three campuses, you're watching online. This is you. I want you to respond right now. I want you to just lift your hand up high across this building. God bless. God bless. Others, quickly, God bless. God bless you. Others, there at Michigan, God's dealing with your heart. There at Redbug, and there's somebody online. I sent somebody online watching. I don't even know why you're, you tuned in today, but God does. And you need Christ. 
Anyone else? Anyone else? Lift your hand up. God bless you. Now stand with us, please, and God bless you, sir. Please, no one's slipping out. Please give us a few more moments. I've, I've actually stopped early, all right? So give me a few more minutes. Please don't slip out. This, this is too important. Change lives. People, people getting focused in on their need is what's important. And so if that's you, you need Christ. And also I'm going to include, maybe, maybe you're right now going through some abuse. Or maybe you are the abuser. Listen, you're coming into the family when you meet Christ. And we can deal with those things through the word and the right response. But maybe you're the abuser. And you need forgiveness. You above all people know that because you feel it. And so we're going to ask in just a moment for every person in this building, you need Christ to come. Every person that's dealing with some abuse or something that happened in the past, listen, you need to talk about it. You need to talk to God about it first. And then you need to talk to somebody who understands with a compassionate, mature heart. And there are people just like that at this altar. So you are in a safe place when you come to this altar. A safe place, safe zone. So right now, as Pastor John leads us, you raise your hand, come. You need to come for some other reason of abuse or otherwise. You step out and come right now. Would you do that?